Blog Talk Radio.
in the box or, you know, label as mystics. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they're not human. That So that's, that's true. And I do believe that the Christ consciousness right. motivates and drives a lot of what they do. I think the... I think for me the um it's not even a disagreement with with you on that. It is a the mystics are the people who are walking, talking, living in Christ consciousness most of the time. Right. Where the whereas most of us are driven by or motivated by or connected into Christ consciousness sporadically. Or we we have to intentionally go there. Right. You know, remind ourselves, pull ourselves back there constantly throughout the day. And, you know, if we think about, um, you know, folks we call mystics now, you know, we think, of course, we think of people like Mother Teresa and Gandhi and, you know, Martin Luther King in a certain sense. Um, right. But we think about poets, Rumi and Tagore and, you know, ancient poets. Um, and a lot of times people will say they were mystics. Um, you don't think of me. <laughs> On the mystic path, I guess you I would say that you're a mystic <laughs> wannabe. There you go. I like that. Only because you always talk about one day I will be, I will be. versus today I am living as. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you would be in the mystic wannabe category. Um, so what what's interesting is that I don't think of mystic being an adjective or a descriptor for it's like who are living mystics. Oh, right. You know, it's more often mystic, and then you think of people and what they accomplished in their lifetime and how they lived their life, but almost in retrospect. I got you. Versus thinking Michael Beckwith is a mystic. Yes. He's a current day mystic. Yes. Using your definition. Yeah, yes. using your definition, he absolutely right. would yes. be. Yes. And um That's what my new mission can be is I can I can uh, bring the term mystic to modern day people. It's not something just in my thinking reserved for someone after they die. Kinda of like sainthood. Don't you have to be dead to for the Catholic Church to saint you? Yes, I believe so. So there you go. You can be alive and be a mystic. So this has nothing to do with <laughs> mysticism or our topic today, shopping, but I have to ask the question. Uh-huh. So why would you make your mission changing or moving other people someplace versus making your mission in life something about you? Oh, gosh. I, I, no, with no judgment, just yeah, curiosity. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's much easier for me to change others than it is to change myself. I'm really good at that. Yes. Oh, so um, any other connecting the dots around mysticism? No, that was it, though. I did have that experience this week with a couple of different people, so I am going to start using that word more, I think. Demystify the word mystic is going to be just an idea. Not necessarily my life's purpose, maybe, but demystifying the term mystic. Um, if that makes you happy. The only other thing I will say, if if people are listening live, this is uh, December 20th, and tomorrow is December 21st. If you're into 
mystical kinds of opportunities. The uh, winter solstice night is tomorrow night, and it's also a full eclipse of the moon. And in the central standard time between the hours of 1 and 4 a.m. is when the eclipse will be coming, and that is when the veil between this experience and the experience on the other side is the thinnest for those of us who have that kind of idea or interest to spiritually connect to the uh, to that mystical kind of magical experience that happens between the here and the there. So there's a little tip if it's if you listen before Tuesday the twenty first. If not, you disregard it. that thirty seconds. Okay, let's take a break. We'll come back and talk about shopping. about shopping, or Tracy said I can also talk about gluttony. And greed. And greed. And greed satisfaction. And I mean, it's not really about shopping. It's about, in this season <coughs> in the U.S. that we call the Christmas season or the holiday season, yes. people do a lot of shopping. Yes, they do. I mean, if if you came to America during Right now, right, and you had never been to America before. Let's say you were a Martian and you came to (laughs) Earth and you were dropped down in America and you were sent on a mission to understand the culture of Americans Mm -hmm. and you observed for 30 days, December 1st to December 30th or 31st, you would think it was our culture to buy, 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 which it is. But, I mean, even to more. even what could appear to be in excess during the season. Yes. Can I just divert from gluttony and share my personal experience of the season this year, not, not having a job and not having any money? Yes. I hate people out there shopping and buying all those things. <laughs> I find myself really angry when I see people out there just buying these frivolous things that nobody really needs and I 
I want to go up and say, give me that $20. I need to, you know, buy my cat some extra food. Isn't that terrible? I mean, I've had like a visceral response to people buying just stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> what I deem is stupid things. And then I thought back to all the times I bought stupid things. So, you know. Without even go. thinking Without about even it. Without even considering someone needed those $20 to buy food for their cat. Yeah. Well, and so that's interesting. That season brings up, you know, all sorts of feelings, depending yeah. on our situation. I think. Well, I think that's part of the point of the show. I mean, when you're just out buying, and it's not really spiritually guided, it's, um, you know, will or people will say it is spiritually guided. I'm, it's giving. You know, I'm loving. I'm showing I love people because I'm buying them something they don't need or or don't want. <laughs> You know, yeah. I, which have an asked for, right? And um, will open and be polite, but won't ever use. Um, may not like it, may love it. Um, so, and and I'm not against. I'm not against people buying gifts, but I think when we are talking about you know acting in our everyday life from a place that's grounded in spirit, then it puts a it could put a whole different slant on this shopping during this season especially. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, you know, kind of like what the show is. So if you tuned in uh, thinking that we were going to have shopping tips for you and where to get the best deal <laughs> and, uh, you know, coupons to save you money at certain stores, this is the wrong show for that. <laughs> Um, but I do want to say again, and probably will say at least four or five times during this hour, it's not the message is not don't shop at all. It's just to think about why are you shopping. It's what I call intentional shopping. Ah, why are you shopping? What's your motivation behind it? How are you determining what to buy, for whom, and for whom to buy? Right, and. Is there a spiritual foundation to that? So maybe after this hour, I won't be like I won't be a shopper hater. Oh, I don't know that it'll change that at all. It may make it worse. I can imagine you walking up to somebody at Target, coming out of the parking, coming out of the store with a shopping cart full of bags. I can imagine you walking up to them and saying. Was your shopping spiritually grounded? <laughs> Do those gifts need it? Do people really need those things? <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and did you, can you really afford to buy all of that, or did you put that on your credit card? <laughs> and for the next six months, you're going to be complaining about it. Yeah, they did a story on CNN the other night about that, about people still paying off. Which I get paying well, off stones from paying the off last, last Christmas. Well, to, from last Christmas or the Christmas before right, or the right. Christmas before. Pretty much I can't throw stones at those people because that's what I do. But enough about me and my worries, Tracy. <laughs> so gluttony, shopping without a spiritual purpose. Well, let's, you know, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was going to say, it's, <laughs> it's really about um, trying to replace something, I think, or trying to get something that we don't have, and we think we can get it through a trinket, I think, is why we do it. Say more. But we're trying, I think, when somebody, when I give um, 
Christmas gifts when I used to give Christmas gifts. I uh, would always be trying to give that person information about what they meant to me. Like I would try to, you know, get something that it was a symbol of something. Of if they made me smile, I would get a smiley face something. Or if they, did, you know, it was always I would always try to write some letter connecting the dots of what the gift meant to me and why I got it for them. So it's interesting because I was really trying to convey what they meant to me and some appreciation for that. And so the gift was just an excuse for that. So I I absolutely, like this year, if I could just get over my bitter and resentment, I could just write the note, you know. And I, and that would probably mean just as much, you know. Or more. Or more. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think the note by itself is any good without the little trinket. <laughs> so isn't that interesting? So That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, which is where, when we both were getting ready to talk at the same time, it's kind of where I was going to start in that, for me, it's it's always that going back to, yeah, why are you buying the gift in the first place? Uh-huh. So for people who are buying gifts during Christmas or for Christmas, and they say they celebrate Christmas and they celebrate, you know, the birth of Christ, mm-hmm. and that the gift is to you know, honor people as the wise men honored the baby Jesus. Bearing gifts of You know, bearing gifts uh, to show you that we love you and that we, you know, respect and honor you and we're so glad you're now in our lives. Um, and, And so I totally, totally get that. But even when I was growing up and I was, you know, being educated around that you know, the birth of Christ and Christmas is to celebrate, you know, the coming of the baby Jesus and you buy gifts for people in your life who you love, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but even then I would be like, well, you know, this the, the gift that actually is purchased doesn't always, you know, kind of seem to be in that vein. Plus the whole gift exchange with people who, you complain about all year, like people, you know, buying gifts ah, for their coworkers. Oh, yeah, that you don't really like. Right, that you don't like or you don't have a, a close relationship with. You know, it's like, uh, and you. So I'm, I'm, you know, I've, as a, as a child, I would be like, wow. I'm confused. Wow. Uh, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, so that that connection, and then. The, the piece for me around the spirituality of, of, you know, being a good steward of who you are and of what you have in the world, um, that piece never matched for me, too, with people going into debt. Ah, uh, um, see, you were an old soul. I just wanted more as a child. <laughs> yeah. You know, I might have, I don't remember, I remember wanting things, but I never got what I wanted. Oh. And and then I basically was like, you know, I want these things if I'm not going to get them. What do I really want? So I think I did shift into um, a deeper meaning and a desire for things that couldn't necessarily be bought anyway, and, you know, that right. would change life or change society and, you know, Santa Claus doesn't bring world peace. <laughs> Not yet, but Amy Grant's song maybe does. Grown up Christmas wish. <laughs> so 
Yeah, that that what is the spiritual piece? And then, you know, other holidays involve gift-giving as well. I mean, in the Jewish faith with um, Hanukkah earlier this month, um, gifts are given, you know, in and again in celebration of the the miracle, uh-huh. uh, the miracle, the miracle that God can create, and but the but and even though Hanukkah has been commercialized as Christmas has been, there's still that sense of. You know, there's not that sense, at least from people I know, of buying and buying and buying and buying. You know, you might buy one or two things. Right. Or a family might splurge on a big vacation or something, but it's in order for them to spend time together as a family uh-huh. versus, you know, hear people, you don't hear advertisers saying, buy your spouse a new Lexus, Lexus for... <laughs> You know, for Hanukkah. <laughs> That's so true. You know, you don't see the ads in the newspaper, you know, with a jeweler selling a big diamond ring in the ad saying this is the perfect gift for Hanukkah, you know. But it's the perfect gift for, for Christmas. Christmas. It's yeah. like it has to be bigger. It has to be uh, more expensive. Yes. It has to be better. Yes. So that is just, yeah, it's, it's really gotten quite out of hand. And I... Heard an urban legend, and let's see if you can de- debunk the urban legend that I heard. I think it is a fact. This part is a fact that Jesus wasn't even born December twenty fifth. That is, that has born been somewhere around May or something. Yes, which is really distressing. And I just found that out like three years ago. <laughs> I was very upset about that. I'm like, oh my goodness. And so then the urban legend part was that December twenty fifth was picked for the uh, Christmas celebration of the birth of Jesus because it's the dead of winter and people usually don't go out and don't spend money and don't feed into the economy anything. So whoever the thinkers that be created a date with the underlying purpose of getting people out and spending money during the dead of winter when they would normally just sink into their houses and not get out and about. Is that an urban legend? <laughs> Possibly. I don't even know when December 25th started. have no shortage of creativity. The mental, the mental power of the human mind. And I just believe it all. So, you know, that is amazing. Um, so that would so, be, be a no. <laughs> um, well, what I, I can't say it's a no, but what I... start Christmas? Well, let me share with you what I have learned. Okay. And again, I'm not saying it is a law, but the what I learned in my Bible and New Thought class. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, here you go. That's probably the truth, not by urban legend. Was which would mean this was you know centuries ago before uh, we really had commercialism like we do in the U.S. Yeah, now. before you had a okay, okay. so. But that when you know when you think about the the. Um, the the development of Christianity over centuries and centuries. Right. And there was no Christianity when Jesus was living. Correct. Right? And so it was after his death that the people who followed Jesus the Christ, the the Savior, 
became known as Christians because they followed the Christ. Okay, right. And they referred to Jesus as the Christ. Christ, right. And so they became Christians. And and in every part of the world, when Christianity began to take hold or take form, there was always some other religion or other spiritual practices in place already because people existed sure. for years and years and years before Christianity. Right. And so any place that Christianity went, it had to either overpower or compromise or somehow bring people more people into Christianity who were already celebrating something else. Kind of had to market itself. And so what I remember is that at a certain point when you're thinking about the spread of Christianity, there were already, there were pagan winter celebrations, there were already events celebrating harvest or holidays, holy days, but there was a pagan celebration that oh, okay. was in late, in you know, late winter or in winter. Like the winter solstice, maybe? Like the winter solstice. Solstice is I just wasn't going to say that, but yes, like the winter solstice, oh, yeah. because most most celebrations were tied to seasons mm-hmm. and nature, and the shifting, like All Hallows Eve, Halloween, uh-huh. began to come up around All Hallows Eve, and so Christianity kind of just co-opted. People are already celebrating. So we're going to celebrate, how do we bring Christianity into that? And the people who are used to celebrating in that time basically will convert to what we do and a a kind of a merger of the two. So yesterday when when Reverend Petra talked about the Christmas tree, the symbolism of the Christmas tree, Uh that from pagan celebrations, they would take whatever was green and whatever was evergreen pine, whatever, and bring it and light it because they were in the that period or that cycle where it was the darkest, the longest darkness, the mm-hmm. longest night. And to honor the fact that light will return, they would light whatever was green and alive. Right. And that was the that was basically where the Christmas tree comes from. Yes. Okay. As 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 Christians began to celebrate Christmas, there was a Christmas tree. And so really it was built, the timing of it was to capture all these folks who were celebrating something else and change it (laughs) and convert them into Christianity. And not out of any sense of, of that. It's like when... When we talk about Columbus discovering America, uh-huh. you know, don't tell me that's not the same day that he actually discovered America. No, but I mean the idea that America, America already existed. Oh, the right. land was here. Yes. There were people who were here, <laughs> right? And now somebody, some people come over on a ship and say, "We put our flag down. We have now discovered this. It's ours." Yeah, that's the devil. Yeah, and. You know, wait a minute. No, what happened to the people who were already there? Well, we co-opted them into this. We, you know, they now are part of us. We will let them do what we do, <laughs> and fit in. And mm-hmm. so, 
you know, that sounds pretty harsh, but I think that's the course of development of civilization, mm. also civilization. But in this mm-hmm. case, we're talking about what happened with Christianity and how did it get to be, you know. You don't tell people you can never celebrate solstice again. You just say, we're going to rename it and we're going to add these two or three things that we start doing. And it happens. So do you think that everybody, like most Christians, know that Jesus was not born on December 25th? Is I the only one that just found that out two years ago? Well, I don't know what most people know. I don't really have to do That is going to be what I'm going to do. Instead of going up there and saying, stop buying, I'm going to go up to start asking people, what day do you think Jesus was really born? And why does it matter? Because I think that's just hysterical, that we would celebrate the birth of Jesus, this big, huge thing that everybody gets so excited about, on the wrong day. Well, nobody knows the day, the actual day. But, yeah, by the by anything that historians have been able to say, it was more likely it's in the spring. In the spring, yeah. Versus in the winter. It's just interesting to me. I So you've demissed my whole, you know, December 25th for the purchasing and the packaging of it and the marketing of buying gifts. So I feel better about that. Well, I do, I do, I do believe, and don't think it's a legend at all. We look at it every day that, especially in the U.S., <coughs> in the last thirty to forty years, we have so commercialized it. We have so commercialized Christmas, especially, and almost all the holidays that. Most people, I think, don't make a connection to the, you know, unless they're active churchgoers mm-hmm. and they're getting a message, you know, in their church or in their temple, mm-hmm. you know, in their synagogue, they're not getting the message around whatever the religious significance is, mm-hmm. you know. And and what the survey that was done last year or in late 2008 that 60% of Americans or 40 60% of Americans considered themselves not affiliated with a specific church or religion mm. or with a specific ch- church they might some of them said yeah i have a connection or personal relationship with god i have my beliefs but i don't go to a church you know with some huge number um, that might have even been more than 60%, and it was 40-something percent that said they considered themselves spiritual, not religious. Oh. I mean, that that comes out a lot, and uh-huh. we hear that sur- of the results of that survey a lot, but it was a huge number, either 60-something percent or maybe it was 80-something percent of people who said they did not have a personal, like, membership. Membership to a church. Or an active relationship with a church well you know and to me it's a it is a missed opportunity in a way because if if um you know if we do want to look at excuses to say yes to spirit or you know really um celebrate the connection that we have with spirit and god and and honor that uh, message that Jesus walked in terms of unconditional love and bringing people together and doing things um, out of a sense of 
joy and celebration versus fear or, um, you know, separation, which I think, as I understand, was Jesus' message, you know, not to be fear, not to be, not to be in fear, not to be separated, but to be living in, lo- in love and, and everyone coming together as one. Um, it is an interesting oppor- missed opportunity to really celebrate that by making it to the point that, you know, when I get invited to go to somebody's house to, like, go to a Christmas party or do something like this, I feel like I can't go because I can't get bring 20 gifts. Or, you know, I can't. So it's like I'm excluded from the holiday because I don't have the finances to pay for gifts. I mean, you know, my mind, I feel right. like that. You know, the, the holiday is so focused on gift giving that if I can't participate in that aspect of it, then I'm then the holiday is lost to me. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of people. A lot of people do feel that way. I think it's one of the reasons we have so many suicides during, yeah. you know, from Thanksgiving through New Year's. I think it's, you know, so the reason so many people feel depressed and um, angry. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> angry during the holidays because we have placed so much emphasis on on the gifts, mm-hmm. even though at the same time everybody always talks about all the, what you hear is not the, what's the best gift you ever got, but tell us the story of best what's Christmas the worst story. gift that you ever got. Oh, uh-huh. Or, you know, the gift that you never got that you really wanted. It's almost like all, when we talk, you see all the advertising and you, you know, and people talk about what they want, and then you hear all the <laughs> stories about how the gifts are off, you know, off off uh, target or, um, but yeah, that I mean, if we talk about being grounded in spirit, regardless of whether we are buying gifts in, in connection with the Christ story, the birth of Christ, then okay, so you love Christmas and you love to celebrate Christmas, and I think that's really great for anybody who does. And if you're going to buy gifts, then how do you do that in a way that is what I call intentional shopping? Mm-hmm. You know, really, I love what you said about, you know, always trying to connect what you buy, what you would buy with how you felt about that right. person. Yes. Uh-huh. And making that connection. And absolutely, the gift of a handwritten note that says, this is what I feel about you. Uh-huh. Is actually a is gift. a gift. Oh my goodness! All by itself. That's All by gift. itself. But isn't it interesting that you know you always think there has to be something else that goes with it? Um, but that's intentional. That kind of intentionality that right. allows the love of God to come through you and connect you then with this other person who is a part of your life, who you have a relationship with, whether it's a coworker. Mm-hmm. Or whether it's your parent, or your sister, or brother, or cousin, or niece, or nephew, or you know, whether right. they're related by blood or related by activity, you know, it's like it's what's driving it, right? You know, if it's being driven by uh, obligation, right, I must buy this person something, or um, I think they're going to give me something, so I better have something for them. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know, that's not reciprocity, really. That's guilt and you know all that kind of stuff. 
you know, so I don't know. I think we can be intentional. And we can say, okay, I have $100 that I can afford to spend. I need to buy 10 gifts. Well, either that means I put myself on a $10 per person limit, or if there's somebody I want to spend $40 on, then everybody else gets smaller gifts. Right. And I don't, I don't hear people talking about their shopping in that way. No, no, no. I have $100 to spend, and I think I'll spend that on one person. <laughs> and then I'll use credit cards and, you know, and, and spend. And then if I spend $100 on Leslie, you know, Leslie talks to Catherine. And so instead of buying Catherine a $5 or something, I better at least buy her something twenty or twenty-five dollars because right. then you know she'll hear what I bought Leslie, and then I'm like, what is that about? Isn't that amazing? Or if you, I can, I can remember when I had a job, I was fixated on making sure I bought everybody from like the lowest-paying kind of position, the techs or the people that did the you know out in the trenches kind of work, the same thing that I bought like the CEO, so that everybody felt you know, the same, because I didn't want anybody to feel, isn't that crazy? But, I mean, I would really perseverate and then try to, and then I would, you know, spend hours, you know, wrapping little ribbons around 55 different gifts when there were really only three people that I maybe really felt a heart connection to that I wanted to give something to. But, oh, no, I had to just, you know, create 55 things that, you know. It is interesting, and I, I consider myself enlightened a little bit, and I'm out there doing it, and I... Was with a I, my partner for two or three years. Was a Jehovah, raised as a Jehovah Witness, and I was angry that I got nothing. You know, because they weren't practicing their faith just because of the history of right. their experience. They just didn't have any interest in giving gifts. And I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but you're going to be is, with me. This is the day you need to. I know. And I, it was just really interesting to watch me. Yeah, get all been out of shape. Yeah, because when you started that sentence, I thought you were going to say it upset you that you couldn't give her a gift. Oh, no, I gave gifts. But, but, no, that, she but then when you said that, you know, she didn't buy me a gift, I'm like, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. Even knowing that she Even the second, third year after I explained it, you can just go get something. And I just a card. That's hilarious. That's, yeah. Boy, looking back now, maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is. It's become so perverted, I think, the whole experience of it. So, And it, it makes me sad to think that, again, it's a missed opportunity to do what we really want to do, which I think is really connect with each other. And I don't know that we know how. I think we have to have some false pretense to really sit down and say, I love you. you know, and we somehow have gotten the message. I've gotten the message that it's just not enough to be told. I care about you. I'm glad you're in my life. Right. But somehow I have to hear more, get more. Yeah, know. get something tangible besides right. the words, even they, even though they may be expressed in a heartfelt way. And that's really sad. I think one of the one of the things that I love about Kwanzaa, even though Kwanzaa in the last ten years has become also more commercialized. Uh, because there's no getting away from that in American society. It, it just isn't. 
Um, but the idea of gifts at Kwanzaa, uh, as part of Kwanzaa, is that they're given at the end of a week. Now, so number one, it's a you know seven-day process, and so um, and they're not gifts every night. It's at the very last night of Kwanzaa on night six. There's a feast that's supposed to be a feast or party with family and friends with uh, food, and gifts are given to the children. Ah. And the gifts are, if you celebrate Kwanzaa in the traditional way, gifts either must be handmade, oh. like a craft, or if you sew, you could sew some, you know, make something for someone, but either handmade or educational. And the and if they're and if possible somehow related to culture. So um if it's educational you could buy some buy a kid a math book, but maybe it would be better to buy a book about black inventors or black scientists. Let's say you have a kid who's really interested in math and science or who you're trying to get interested in math uh-huh. and science. You know, um or um so in that sense educational preferably educational related to culture or self esteem or family something related to one of the seven principles that are discussed during Kwanzaa and so it's like that's that in its inception and really up until about the last ten years, you know, folks who did buy gifts mostly bought them for children. You know, you might buy them for your spouse. You could buy them for your sister or brother, for other adults, but the focus was on gifts for children. If you bought gifts for other adults, one. Oh. You know, not, you don't walk in with a a big stack of gifts for your friend. If you decide to give a gift to an adult, it's one thing. And those same guidelines apply, that it must be cultural, educational, and if at all possible, handmade. And so the wow. idea of writing a note, uh-huh. uh, you know, on a beautiful piece of stationery, would be more likely to happen. Yeah. With in Kwanzaa, adult to adult, where you wouldn't write a note to a kid. You right. know, you, a kid, you're going to give them a toy or right. something to wear or a book or something right. tangible. Right. Um, so that I, you know, I think really. And 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 it was easier to do that with Kwanzaa because Kwanzaa is not about religion; it is about culture. Right. And so it's a a, a celebration that focuses on on connecting with principles um, from African cultures, and that takes some of the that takes all of the religion out of it. And most people that celebrate Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa am I correct in saying, would celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah as well? It doesn't replace. Either one of those? Yeah, it wasn't designed to replace either one of those. It is it is a separate event. I I think now the majority of people, I don't know, I can't say about the majority, and that would be interesting. I'd love to find a survey that's been done in the last, you know, three years or so to see if anyone has surveyed that. I can confidently say that in the 70s, and early 80s, people who celebrated Kwanzaa often did not celebrate Christmas. Oh, really? But not, you know, not as a if you do one, you can't do the other. Uh-huh. Just it, it really drew a lot of people who were uh, focused on African culture and who were disillusioned by or uncomfortable with 
in traditional Christianity. Okay. And were not involved in an active way in their churches. And then in the 90s, a lot of that began to shift. And also a lot of churches, especially since Kwanzaa was in the 70s and 80s, almost exclusively celebrated by black folks in America, a lot of the black churches pretty much banned their members because they thought it was competition. Oh, my golly. And banned the people, you know, and and said things that weren't true. Oh, my gosh. From a limited knowledge point of mm-hmm. if you can't celebrate Christmas, it's anti-Christian. Wow. I mean, you can't celebrate Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa. it's anti-Christian. Wow. Or it's anti-Christ. And it really, from the very beginning, had nothing to do with that. It's not mess with the Christians. But as in the 90s, as that became less of an issue and people began to learn more, really read for themselves, or um, people who celebrated Kwanzaa talking more about it and why, and making and explaining that it was not anti-Christmas or uh-huh. anti-Christ, um, then more and more people started celebrating it. Both and, and then, both and, yeah. right, and then it be, started becoming more commercialized because right. then Hallmark realized, oh, we could sell cars and you know. People who make gifts and things, they already have a lot of stock because of Christmas. Like, oh, we can keep pushing this for people who buy gifts. A little multicolored something on it, and it's Kwanzaa, right? That's what I always think about. Kwanzaa, I think of the the bright colors. For some reason, I associate bright colors with that. So um, so it is a little different now. I, uh, I, I think that is interesting how one thing becomes something that it, that it wasn't originally intended to do. And I have a devotion a little bit about that theme of, of how things become something that they're not weren't originally intended for. Devotion it doesn't have a title. I was trying to figure out a title, but it doesn't have a title. Different music flowed out from all directions. The smell of beer and cigarettes floated through the air. Laughter, dancing, and singing could be seen in every direction. I went to the University of North Texas's homecoming football game tonight. Going back to my car during the third quarter, I walked through a maze of tailgaters who did not go to the football game. Obviously, they used the football game to have an excuse to do what they really wanted to do, hang out together and have fun. I had used one thing to get something else. Tonight, I wonder, why don't I just do the something else I want? I think the something else I do is somehow gives me permission to do what I really want. I have a hunch God does not need permission, excuse, or even a reason to express. Expressing through a tailgate party without a football game may seem silly, but if I want to drink, smoke, dance, sing, and hang out with my friends, I do have the choice to do that, football game or not. Yes. And so that is kind of interesting how we, on some level, I don't know what that's, if it's an American thing or if it's a human thing, but that we feel the need to create something sort of as a reason or as an excuse to do something that we genuinely desire. And probably that expression of love and connection and family and I care about you, I want to share time with you, is very much of a Christ consciousness mystic kind of experience of a thing to do, and yet 
we feel like we have to create a, a you know a football game to be able to do it. Yeah, I I so get that and so agree with you. And I'm I mean I've told you before about how I stopped celebrating Christmas. Yeah, that's interesting. In the seventies and. Um, and one of the things I wrote in the letter, the manifesto. <laughs> Did you say what I did? The oh, manifesto of why I'm not celebrating Christmas anymore. I want to see that. Um, but anyway, in the letter that I wrote, one of the things I talked about was I, what I love about Christmas is the spirit of love and giving. And that people, you know, even though it's playing out and spending money you don't have, buying gifts you don't, people don't need or never would use um, and going into debt. It's like, even though it plays out that way, the motivation behind it, uh-huh. you know, people are excited yeah. and they are charitable and they are loving and they often will say they love it because it's the best time of year. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, and they it's the best time of year because they're living their values, their spiritual values on a consciousness level. And so in that in the letter when I wrote it, I, I even I said something about I what I love is the spirit of Christmas. And while I'm not going to buy gifts or receive gifts for Christmas, I am committing to live the spirit of Christmas year round. Yes. Oh I like that. I love that. And that is like I don't need a holiday called Christmas to give you a gift. I don't need a holiday called Christmas to see that you have a need and I can help you. Right. I don't need a holiday or an event called Christmas to be compassionate and loving and to want good things for you. And rather than do that for two weeks out of the year or or even one month out of the year, I'm going to do that for 11 months. So I love your devotion because I think it's true that we we don't intentionally right. we don't consciously, consciously we don't consciously stop being loving on December twenty sixth or you know on January fifth a couple of weeks later but we do get unconscious we get consciously focused on something else on on being and living. But during the holidays, we take time off. We buy we travel wherever to get to Grandma's house, right? Right. When we would well, never go to Grandma's house during right. the summer, you know, other times. Right. Mid February. Yeah. You know, six weeks later, when Grandma is bored and lonely because everybody was there for a week, in and out, in and out, or two weeks, in and out, in and out. Uh, and now it's six weeks later, and she can't even get a return phone call, right? Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, and and somehow it is it is like a, an adrenaline. It's like spirituality on adrenaline, or you know, connection to people on adrenaline. Yeah, and then suddenly, boom, it's 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 not. Well, there, the crash, yeah, the crash. Yeah. Like you have uh, the the rush the of adrenaline, high. or you have the sugar high. Yeah, you have the rush of adrenaline when you're faced with, you know, an emergency, and then when it's all over and you didn't even realize, and you're just totally exhausted, and you right. just crash right. and go in your cave or something. So, 
I also think it's interesting when you said you talk to people, you know, when you ask people what is their favorite Christmas memory or experience, I don't know that most people would have a favorite memory around a gift or a thing that they received, but it would be that that last Christmas that I had with, you know, Dad, that, you know, he died the next year, or that time that, you know, we all got together and got snowed in for three days and had to eat, you know, peanut butter and, you know. But in in hindsight, it was like so great we were all together. Right, right. So it's those experiences that I think we claim as the best of the best. But then in the moment of the experience, we think we have to have that gift in hand to have the experience. So it's And kids are the best teachers because when you think yeah. about, um, and I've not raised children, but I've observed this and I've heard countless, uh, countless adults talk, parents talk about it. You know, they spend a lot of time or they spend a lot of money, they both, trying to get the perfect gifts, plural, for, you know, their children, and two things. One, the children rush down, they're excited about their gifts, and, you know, at at 7 in the morning they're waking up and they're tearing the paper off, and by noon it's like they never got anything. (laughs) Or they buy lots of expensive gifts and the kids are really appreciative of them, but the one thing they play with most, like as a small child, and, you know, give them a pot and a wooden spoon, and they create their own drum, and they love that. Uh-huh. You know, and they're not so enamored with, you know, the doll that you've just spent $69 for. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, so it is interesting. Of It's not, it is the time and the relationship that we have with people just like when we say, you know, say yes to spirit, it's that relationship you have one-on-one with God right? that really fuels you, that, that makes you happy, that gives you joy, has you walk through life in joy. It's not that you went to church on Sunday. I mean, maybe relationships, maybe you got a really good message, but it's almost like that's the package. Right, but part it's of the gift. Part of the package. And I think exactly as you said in your manifesto, which I love, is, uh, you know, it's really should, it can be, it can be a year-long experience if we make a conscious choice. And and that's the thing that, you know, this show is about and we are about to try to remind each other and ourselves is that, you know, it really is a conscious daily practice that creates who we are. And if, you know, it, it's not a one-time one one shot kind of thing. It, you know, I can go out and be really spiritual all day Sunday, and then if I take advantage and harm people the other six days of the week, then that whole experience of that one day is 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 not doubt. You know. More than wiped out. Right. It's more than wiped out. Yeah. Yeah. So. It is so much more than wiped out. <laughs> we do. Like wiped out. <laughs> you know how people flick a cigarette button and they take their foot and grind it into the Right. It's like it's wiped out. It's ground into the ground below the surface where it may not be able to be found Uh, again. uh Uh-huh. So, yeah, that Christmas spirit year-round is something really to look at. Well, and that's a perfect lead-in into um, 
into next week's show, which is about Christ consciousness. Ooh. And so the Christ consciousness during this holiday season, what would it look like if we celebrated the season in Christ consciousness, whether we are Jewish or Buddhist or um, Muslim or Jehovah's Witness. If we walked through this season of the year with a direct connection with Christ consciousness, which is different than worshiping the baby Jesus, but that Christ consciousness, then, then how would we be celebrating this season? What kinds of things would we be doing? Mm-hmm. Um, how would we feel? So some of where we've just been going in these last five minutes or so really is a perfect setup for next week. Love that. Connecting the dots forward instead of backwards. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a chance to do do both. So in the meantime, between now and the, and the next episode of Say Yes to Spirit, uh, people can visit us at uh, GodInMyDay.com. Visit the recently yes. added store yes. at GodInMyDay.com if you want to do some intentional shopping for after Christmas. Um, although today is the 20th. If you were to order from the store today or tomorrow, you probably and wanted to pay uh, for uh, right for fast shipping. You actually could still buy Christmas gifts, but and you know it is an interesting thing. And, and even beyond Christmas, the idea of the store there—it has all the different things with the with the logo "God in My Day." And the right. idea is yet another attempt to trigger us back to looking for God in my day. So if I have a calendar on my desk that says God in my day or my water bottle says God in my day, it's like the you know, the bracelet, what would Jesus do? It's just reconnecting to that what am I looking for? Am I looking exactly. for God or am I looking for am something paying, to be mad about? Am I paying attention? Yeah, which is really funny because opening the store we had no connection with or any thought about Oh, in December is also Christmas, so uh-huh. we have no promotion yeah, yeah. this month, even though the store's been open about three weeks, three or four weeks. We've done no promotion this month about, here, shop for Christmas yeah. gifts yeah. Um, at all. Mm-hmm. How funny that it never even crossed our, either one yeah. of our minds. Yeah. But, yeah, visit us at GodInMyDay.com, daily dose of inspirational reminders to look for God in your day and to say yes to spirit. Um, so that's what Leslie and I are going to be doing for the next week, and we hope that you too will say, say yes, yes to spirit.
Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.